Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to caged in a podcast where we ask that one all-encompassing question which is is Nicolas Cage the creme de la creme of acting talent or is he just a wet fart out in the world that nobody wants to smell and to get to the bottom of this each week I bring on a guest where we discuss these matters as well as finding out a little bit about them and their standing with Cage. Through three simple questions. Are they a Nick Cage fan? What was the first Nick Cage film they remember seeing? And what is their favourite? And film specific, this week we'll be talking about Snowden. And I asked my guest, the fantastic Stephen Trumbull, uh, you may recognise that surname, because his brother was on this podcast, and their voices sound quite similar but I, I assure you it's his twin brother it's not it's not David again trust me on that one um we're here to talk about yeah Snowden and specifically for this film uh I, I, I yeah those of you who listen on a regular basis will know I asked my guests uh does Nick Cage have bad hair does he do anything crazy with his voice? And does he freak out? And um, for those of you who haven't seen Snowden, for those of you who have, you'll know that this, like, well, those of you who don't, don't know this, but those of you who have do know this, that Cage has uh, a very little, but I would argue a very vital role in this film. And that is one of the many topics we discuss in this podcast. Uh, you may, you may, I don't know, after watching this film, I think I say it in the podcast, I kind of want to throw my laptop away. I was like, oh, maybe I should, I should go, I just stop doing the podcast uh, that the, the government are, are, are watching me, oh, bloody hell. Um, but I'm going to press on anyway uh, with it. Uh, so uh, up front, I'll tell you as a, as I should or do tell you every week that uh, we there's spoilers. There's loads and loads of spoilers in this. Uh, me and me and Stephen just go 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 into it. We talk about all aspects of the movie. So if you haven't seen it, please pause the podcast now. Okay, 
I imagine if you uh, are listening, you've either watched the film and you are back with us or you thought, fuck it, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and listen anyway. It's not really on top of my list to be watching Snowden. I've got other things that I need to do. Unfortunately, with this film as well, it's not on any uh, UK or US streaming services. Maybe that is uh, the forces uh, working to to not to not to not want people to see it so readily. But I'm sure you can pick it up on DVD or Blu-ray fairly cheap. Um, this episode as well, I should probably say up front that. There was a couple of like technical hitches with Zoom. Again, I think maybe uh, we've been listening into and we we're getting we we're flying too close to the to the sun of truth that that they tried to shut us down. But me and Stephen powered on through and got got to the meat of it. And this was a fantastic conversation. And make sure maybe you don't listen to the end of the podcast where I tell you to listen to my guests podcast if they have a podcast uh but yeah do 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 listen to steven's fantastic podcast 50 uses for the word love uh it might just be called 50 uses but that kind of gives you a brief summation of the podcast as well uh and yeah, if uh, <laughs> and if you could, I don't really do this in the uh, intro. I haven't, or if not, not for a while. If you could head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, if they have like a rating and review system, and rate this podcast five stars and leave a little review, that would be amazing. Because apparently, it really helps the podcast get out to more ears and yeah yeah i think people people will enjoy it so let's 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 get them aboard this crazy cage train uh right that's enough of me chatting on uh enjoy this episode and i will join you at the end to tell you what is happening next week If you're here for Nicolas Cage, blink and you'll miss him. Or you could hack into his laptop and see him wherever or whatever he's doing right now, if you have the powers of Edward Snowden. This week, I'm here to talk about Oliver Stone's biographical thriller, Snowden, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt as the now-famous whistleblower. I'm here to complete today my collection of the Trumbull twins, and I have the... (laughs) Absolute pleasure of being joined by comedian and podcaster Stephen Trumbull. How are you today, sir? Hey, mate. Uh, actually, it's called a brace of Trumbulls. Yeah, you have to, <laughs> you have to stew us like rabbits. Uh, that's the the only way that you can uh, describe us. Yes, yeah, nice to meet you, man. You too. Am it's I missing been... out on any Trumbulls? Is there a, is there a, is there any more? We have two older sisters. Two older sisters, which is probably why we're such uh, spoiled brats. Probably. <laughs> Yeah, we were in fact dolls for teenage girls. Uh, that's that's that was our function in life for a large portion of it. So there you go. 
perfect. So, uh, have, yeah, having older uh, siblings, uh, sorry, I've got like, there's, I'm not sure what the age gap is. I've got like a mm. twin brother and sister who are five years older than me. Really? Yeah. Did you, did you find that you saw worse, like shown a lot of films like way too early because of their influence? A little bit, yeah, because obviously they were six and seven years older than us Mm -hmm. in the 90s. So they were watching Heathers, you know, they were watching Lost Boys, they were watching all this stuff. And I remember not being able to watch Lost Boys, um, and I thought they were watching it in the other room, and I was like, "Uh, maybe I'll just sneak my head through the door or whatever. And I poke my head through the door, and it's right at the bit where they throw the vampire into the bath full of garlic, and he just comes out, his face is melting off him, and I just close the door like, I should looked in there why did i do that it was just like horrifying you know but yeah it means that we had such great like cool like those that was a cool time to be a a younger brother i think you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah. so i'm I'm 29 so like yeah i was in that like 90s but 90s bubble and uh my brother and sister used to babysit a lot for me and it would be like (laughs) i would i would watch what they were watching or i think even on my own i think i've brought up on this podcast before but we had this like very weird system in our house and like i think the yeah the guest on that episode didn't understand this so i'm i'm now just trying to ask people did did they have this in their house we could put a vhs in downstairs and you could mm-hmm. watch it in the bedrooms oh interesting so it was like it was like you were you were hacking into your older siblings is feeds almost it was like you were snowdening like 18 certificate films <laughs> but i was I like of, that i was cool. doing that off, off my own back as well because i had a friend of mine who had like older parents who like he was yeah he was adopted and like i don't not saying that they were they were slack like i don't, I don't want to judge people's <laughs> parenting but they were slack and like adopted. they <laughs> I, I would go around his and we'd be like eight nine years old watching like red heat or like commander yeah oh my god yeah yeah the things that you think are like it's okay it's fun it's got jokes in it but it's actually also got like people breaking each other's necks and stuff and well well, that's the thing i remember he came over for a sleepover once brought over like his tape of commando i Mm. I whacked it into the vhs player downstairs like we scurried like scurried up to my room like really excited sat there and then like all of a sudden i get like that you know, like when you're full, like for me, like I was always called Pet as a kid. So when I got a Petros, it was like, oh boy, what's going on here? So mm. like, I hear this like Petros <laughs> shuffle back downstairs. Yes, mom, <laughs> like, what, what, what's wrong? So uh, are you sure you should be watching this this film? Because obviously she's like flicked over to yeah. like, the, the VHS channel and it's like Arnie maybe like dropping <laughs> Sully off of a cliff or something like that. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. We're, you know, really likable, likable character trait for a hero. He's like just like unceremoniously executing prisoners. Yeah, exactly. I remember watching that and going, fuck, Arnie's a fucking douchebag in this movie. But he's got really good quips, hasn't he? So that one is like, he's like, you said you would, you said you would kill me last. And he's like, I lied. And it's like, I, mean, I, I remember just being like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, and my, my this defense, is he goes, and then when she asks what he did, he goes, I let him go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Well, like, like, um, there's so many in that film. I could probably talk about yeah, yeah, that. That's exactly. well, and I think for me, it was like stuff like Terminator and Terminator 2. And those are the films that I watched a little bit before. And also like things like Silence of the Lambs, 
Actually, weirdly, my mum told me to watch Silence of the Lambs. It's, you wouldn't think your mum would tell you. Like, my dad absolutely hated anything with criminals in it. Like, my dad was just like, he's a bit of a, he's a good boy. Do you know what I mean? He's a, like a very mild-mannered man. And he, he used to say things like, the only thing that's interesting about a criminal is whether or not they're in jail. <laughs> and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, but mum would be like, watch Silence of the Lambs because it's just a great film. And she would just like warn us that it's going to be dark, but that it's good. You know, and and once like a grown up tells you, yes, you're going to be troubled by something, but it is good. That's really important, I think. And but I, I think probably that the best, the best, like the luckiest I ever got, I think, in terms of the older sisters watching something was uh, the Matrix. I think I remember they bought the Matrix, and it must have been when it first got out on on uh, VHS. And I think they watched it. And then the same night, or maybe even just the night after, me and my brother got to watch it, but like really late. So it was like from like midnight to two in the morning and it just blew our minds. Oh man, just to be there at that moment in history. Amazing. I can't imagine what it must have been like to see that in the cinema, but VHS was powerful, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the, the amount of like uh, renting out films. I remember just being fascinated by video cases in the local like, video shop and there's there's films to this day i never saw but like i've got this weird affection for just because yeah. of their like i think frighteners like oh frighteners with the with the with the, th the face coming out of the box almost kind of like yeah. it's just yeah I've, that's I've, amazing i've never seen that but like <laughs> i've got this like oh yeah I'm, like i've got this image in my head of what it's like and like oh it's really great it's got this kind of cool like neony font and it's got yeah. which is funny actually because it's a it's an odd movie it's an <laughs> odd movie it's it's got a strange tone <laughs> but it has uh, has the reanimator in it so it's uh, it's it's got to be good there's some really cool stuff in it but it's also strange i, I think if you're in love with that cover maybe maybe go in with an open mind for what, what the tone will be. Well, I, yeah, I, I do a Nick Cage podcast, so my mind is very yeah, much yeah. open. Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> so, yeah. Actually, weirdly, I, I was like that with trailers. That's what I was. It was basically anything that was on the, before the movie of on a VHS tape. So, like, I was actually looking over your, your questions that you usually ask your guests, and it was, uh, what was the first Nicolas Cage film you saw? And I was trying to think about it. And I remember thinking, actually, the first time I probably saw him was probably the face-off trailer. Amazing. So, like, I hadn't actually seen face-off for years after that. But just for years, it was just, if I didn't love you so damn much, I'd have to kill you, bro. Like, in the, the trailer for that film and, like, him on the, the jet ski and all that kind of stuff. And then flying through the air, like, suspended when they, like, the, the boat crashes yeah, into yeah. the harbor and stuff. So I think, uh, and that's how I am with those kind of films. Films like Blown Away and stuff. You get these just trailers and they're invariably better than the movies, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I've, I I had that and yeah, like mm. very much mm. with the video cases. But you mentioned those questions and the first one always is, are you a Nick Cage fan? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You gotta be. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think it's, I'm probably cheating because I actively avoid bad Nicolas Cage movies, <laughs> which is a real, like, privilege to have, I think, where if I, if it's almost like, really tell from the poster, like, uh, if, if the film doesn't have a, like, PR budget, 
do not approach. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, if, if you look at the poster, it, it's like, you know, like the Bangkok dangerous one where his arm is disappearing into his own chest because the Photoshop guy yeah. fucked up. You know what I mean? Or, or it's just the same explosion that's been on eight different box sets or whatever. Well, that's yeah, really so- interesting because there is a film that has the worst cover imaginable. Mm. It's a film called Stolen. And like... Right. It might be I, I might be doing a disc like service on this podcast because I'm I, I keep saying to people like it's far better than it has any right to be with that cover. Like the right. the, the Photoshop and that it no longer looks like Nick Cage. But wow. like, the film itself is him reunited with the director of Con Air and it's this kind of like What? Uh, it's this it's got this like um like uh Die Hard with a Vengeance feel to it, with like a little okay. like the Oceans movies like thrown in it, and it's it's, okay. it's a really fun Nick Cage film. Like that, like that, that director is he is like solid. He did like the second uh, Expendables movie as well, didn't he? And um, didn't he do The General's Daughter? I think that was his one of it. That was like the yeah, yeah Simon West, yeah Simon West. That's who it is. Yeah, he's he's legit. Like he's a good director. He, he knows how to frame something. You know. <laughs> yeah, he knows how to make action. I think he also did yeah. Tomb Raider as well, and maybe the Tomb yeah, Raider sequel. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah. So, but, the, but the, the the cover wasn't. It was no frighteners, was it? It was just. It was oh no no no! It, it, it's bad. It's bad. But like, I guess that is. It's frightening. It was what it was. It lowered the bar enough for me, and that's like one of the joys of this podcast is because I'm like, yeah. I'm, I have to watch them all. It's like, well, there's probably films that, yeah. like, like I would never have watched before, and then I'm like really pleasantly surprised. Like, right. like, so there's, like stolen like. there's lots of little gems in there little, that's nice oh that's cool man a, a lot of them like your 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 kind of um way of judging whether it's going to be a bad film is normally mm. like spot on like that is definitely how yeah. you can tell if a nick cage film is a dud is if it's got yeah. that horrible a horrible yeah, bangkok dangerous <laughs> is a perfect example as well i think like that personally might be my worst nicholas cage film Wow! Yeah, I bet. Oh my God! Well, I mean, it's notorious, isn't it? It's it's so. Is, it, did did Liam do the episode for that one? Yep. So Liam Dempsey did the episode. Uh, Liam Dempsey. I had to invite him back onto the podcast <laughs> just just because I always felt really bad about that. I was like, <laughs> I want to come back on because I subjected so you to funny. that film. Um, oh God, no! But I think I think listening to that man be irate is like, ah, it's uh, it's a. Uh, privilege and uh, i can't wait to hear it <laughs> um, so yeah. you were saying the first time you saw nick cage kind of in the world mm. was that trailer for face off do you remember so. do you remember the first film you remember seeing whether it's as mm. as when it's, you were young or even older like it's hard to to I mean, like dates are kind of flying around me i'm not entirely sure but i think if i had i mean obviously i think it's really just it's The Rock, I think. I think that's the first film I saw because I think, and I was trying to work out why I, why I think that's the one that I saw first. And I think it's because I think I didn't know who he was before he was Stanley Goodspeed. Like in my head, he is Stanley Goodspeed. Do you know what I mean? That's That was the most, and kind of feels the most like him. You know, it feels like, you know, the, the fact that he's a, he loves the Beatles and he plays guitar or, uh, with his naked in his house and he's like this kind of weird, geeky science guy. And it's just kind of like, it's, I feel like I always just feel whenever I see him in a movie, I'm watching Stanley Goodspeed 
you know, in a revenge movie or Stanley yeah, Goodspeed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I feel like that was probably the one. And I think I have a weird, complicated relationship with Michael Bay. Um, but that film very much, I think, I think it must be his best film because it's, it's just so much better than the sum of its parts. You know what I mean? It's almost like, it's like Independence Day. It's one of those movies where if you take the ingredients individually, yeah. they shouldn't make as good a film as it is, if you know what I mean. Like right down to the fact that Aaron Sorkin's doing the script doctrine and shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's full of like weird West Wing deep, deep yeah. cuts and stuff. Yeah. Well, I think it's that thing as well that it's um, it's early Michael Bay as well, isn't it? It's kind of before mm. he became like, having spoken to someone who was on set on The Rock, like he was mm. he was still that kind of uh, right wing kind of way of directing of like, apparently like he would just, if, if he wanted something done, he was like, uh, you're not doing it, I'll do it then. Like, like, no, no, no that's not yeah, yeah. the camera. Which, which, like, like, sounds mm. sa- sounds like it would be hell. Like, yeah. But at the yeah. same time, you can kind of understand. I don't know that kind of. Well, it's it's very that, similar. To, yeah, it's very similar to like James Cameron. That's how James Cameron was. Like on the set of Aliens, like he would be like he would have someone doing like the animation of the little face hugger, and he would just be, you know, or the the puppet the puppeteering, I should say, of the face hugger. But then they would use like frame by frame. They would take they would like roll the camera and create essentially animation frames using the puppet. Uh, but he would look at it and go, "No, you're doing it wrong. I'll do it." Like because he was just smarter than everyone else, uh, and he had that self belief. So I guess yeah, at his best. Michael Bay is 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 kind of chomping on the heels of of Cameron a bit, I think. Yeah, and at his worst, he's hiring T.J. Miller, uh, <laughs> and then and then well, you know people they go they go stick together, man. No, but then, but then but then getting him on set, he 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 apparently hated T.J. Miller because he got him on really? set for. One of the later Transformers. Yeah, movies. it's oh yeah, Age of the Age of Extinction. That and that film I actually saw um, in a screening, and I remember thinking, because I've liked the Transformers movies. I love Transformers as a concept. I love mm. I love giant robots. I love them. <laughs> uh, I, I watch clips from the Transformers movie every day. Like I don't know why. I just every day I watch Transformers clips. I can't not. But I watched Age of Extinction and I thought to myself, and I'm and this is gonna sound like a joke, but it's not. It's just how I actually felt, which was this film feels like a waste of time and money. <laughs> not and I mean for the people who made it. Like it feels like a waste in the same way that a war is a waste, like of people's time on earth and their lives. That's what I felt about the movie. And the fact that it was trying to set up a, a trilogy and it felt like three movies back to back <laughs> didn't help either. Oh man, oh God. Yeah, no, sorry, what were you gonna say? So he didn't like, he didn't like um, TJ Miller like, at all. But his, yeah, and it, cause his direction to him was just be funny. I've hired you yeah. to, be, to be funny. And it's mm. like, as as an actor, you could imagine that being like, well, I need yeah. something to work with apart from well, be, be funny. Do you know what I mean? Like, doing TJ Miller, is, his whole bread and butter is being kind of alternative funny, is kind of anti-comedy almost. Like, he'll he'll not do the thing that, that you want him to do because that, to him, is being funny. Like, he's the, t- he's the guy, I remember seeing an interview with him where he was saying that if somebody asks him what film they know him from, he'll immediately uh, say um, the, uh, the, oh, what's the bear movie, the American? 
Ted? Uh, no, no, it's um, it's like a really shit. It's like the Smurfs. What was it? One second. Yogi let, let, Bear. Let me, let me. Yes. Yeah. It was. It was. Yeah. It was Yogi Bear. He's in the Yogi Bear movie, and he would say Yogi Bear movie, and they go, No, no, I, I don't. I don't think that's where I saw you from. And he would go, Well, then, what else do we have to talk about? <laughs> like, 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 he was so proud of being in a terrible movie. Like, he just always wants to subvert, you know. <laughs> and yeah, so I think that probably would make for a bad, uh, a bad uh, on set. Uh, tension but i think for as far as i know both of them are complete fucking assholes so I, I oh don't yeah really yeah yeah I, was say, I, I just googled tj miller because i thought there was something like i remember there being something fishy about yeah. him and rightfully yeah. so the complete mm. first page of google is he's he's, he's, a, he's he's sexually assaulted someone and he's a he's a piece of shit so Fuck him mm. and fuck Michael Bay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Michael Bay is an interesting one, in the, especially like yeah. The Rock, because that's a film mm. that has like, uh, entered into the Criterion collection. and Really? Wow. Like, there's a lot of uproar at the, at the moment because uh, I think there was a kind of consensus done of the Criterion collection, and there's like mm. massively underrepresented like groups, whether it's people of colour or, or women. Yeah. And yeah. I just... I. I I just keep finding it baffling that Michael Bay has two mm. entries yeah. in the Criterion Collection mm -hmm. and Moonlight has not been admitted. Yeah. It's insane, isn't it? Well, and also just the fact that Michael Bay is so quantifiably racist and sexist. Like in, in some, like if the, I think there's a bit in the second Transformers movie where I was watching it and I remember thinking to myself while I was watching it, like, this is like, be allowed to have two kind of like uh like robots with big ears and gold teeth who speak in kind of gangster slang and like there's i think there's even a scene where they, there's like a scene in a uh like a a meet uh, like they go and they go and find what's his name uh john chichiro in like mm. his mum's like butchers or something like that and there's some there's a there's a a, a person of color in that scene who looks like they're, they're like they're missing half of their brain, and they've got these big buck teeth or something like that, and it just looks like some kind of weird, like some Disney film that that, that has been disavowed. Do you know what I mean? It feels like it feels like some some kind of uh, some representation from uh, before, like the Southern strategy, like horrible, horrible. Oh yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. He's definitely uh, like. He shouldn't be in the Criterion Collection. No, he's he's pl very much playing from the Song of the South playbook. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> insane. Oh, God, I don't. I do not understand it at all. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously. That said, love the Rock. <laughs> the, the Rock is a perfect entry for a first. It can stay. It can stay. I don't know why. Oh God. No, no, no. It's it, it's it's got a winning formula, even on that cast. If you think like mm. Nick Cage, Sean Connery. And Ed Harris was that bad guy. Yeah. It's like fantastic. Yeah. But uh, what was what is your favorite Nick Cage film? I'm not talking about his best performance. Like it might not mm. even be a good like, yeah, be a good film. But what is your personal favorite? It's interesting because I was trying to think about this, and it's like I've got so many different answers for different types of questions when it comes to this. So it's like if you ask me what his best performance was, mm. uh, leaving Las Vegas without a doubt. Like I'd say that's his best film and um all the performances that he's given in recent years where people say like even in kick-ass when people said oh it's like he's back like he's back on form the reason it seems like he's back on form is because of that scene where he says you can't expect me to stop 
and it's just like the scene in Leaving Las Vegas where he says, you can never ask me to stop. And there's that darkness in his eyes, that suicidal darkness. And it's like, so I think his best performances since then have all been uh, like that performance, if you get what I mean. Um, I'd say it's a toss up between The Rock, Con Air or Face Off. I'd say in terms of the ones that I've seen the most, it would probably be Face Off. But I remember having the most fun with Con Air. Uh, because it took so long for me to like it. I didn't used to like it. I used to find it way too much. And then I went and saw, I went to the Prince Charles and I saw The Rock followed by Con Air. And I've seen it the other way around. I've seen it so that The Rock is the last one. And uh, no, 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 it was, it was Face Off. It was Face Off. You should never have Face Off be the last one because it's too po-faced, to, yes. to use an expression. It's, it's way too po-faced. And then when you've got the weird face touchy thing, everyone's laughing and it just kind of ruins the enjoyment. Whereas if you... If you put Face Off first, followed by Con Air, you just have fun for the last hour and a half. And it's just so much fun. And I'd say probably that one. I mean, I, I'd say or either that or just like The Rock as like an all-round good'un. But, uh, but yeah. we'll take Con Air because it's different from The Rock. But like in yeah, regards yeah. to Con Air, it's, it's fantastic. And like loads of people just go, oh, it's all like meat-headed and just like really dumb and stuff like that but and like mm-hmm. take the piss out of cage's performance but like you can tell that's mm. that's a choice and i don't think a lot of people realize that it's it's basically yeah. like it's, it's it's a comedy like yeah you know what i mean it's like an action comedy it's got it like cage is doing this comedic performance like do you mm. know what I mean like with with that accent and like just mm. like even that put the bunny back in the box it's like yeah. he's almost aping those 80s action heroes whether it's just slice yeah owns or or he's um, like a satire of, a, of an action star yeah it's perfect and then, uh, and but, but then he also really brings it at the end when he sees his daughter for the first time and he's all like he's tearing up and like i think about that a lot actually i th- i think about that scene at the end as one of the best uh cutaways i've ever seen in a movie uh, uh, and it's very like simple it's it's when he and his wife and his daughter finally are together and you see them hug with the lights behind them and then it cuts to John Cusack uh, just watching them and I think that's one of the best cuts yeah. in the movie ever, weirdly, in Con Air. Like, <laughs> who would have thought? You're never going to see it on like a YouTube video. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's just an amazing cutaway because it's like that's the man who, who, who had to trust this guy that he was a good reunited like it's it's because of john cusack that he yeah. didn't get shot down you know what i mean and it's like it's it, the whole film is basically i think about the whole film as just like but in wrapped up in this completely stupid movie <laughs> love it it's fantastic also like like you know like there, there are lines from that film that i think about all the time so again oh yeah the cast well I, I think about things like um that's a rock like i think about that line a lot like uh, my brain just has these these like moments from movies that just keep floating up to the top and that one is definitely one of them when they're when they're trying to make the plan but yeah you got Malkovich being like I think it's one of Malkovich's best performances like he's not phoning it in at all you know and I I think who's who's the other guy who's in it that's like there's a guy guy in it that's like not not Buscemi I mean everyone talks about Buscemi but you've got like people like um, Machete. Who's the guy who plays Machete again? Yeah, Danny Trejo. Like Danny Trejo, and he's like banging his head off against that. He's like, "Don't treat women like that." <laughs> it's just amazing. 
but like they managed to actually put like in you actually invest in like the good guy characters like Danny Nucci's character and uh, oh no it's not Danny Nucci no Danny Nucci is in Crimson Tide I'm thinking of is it I think it's McKelty Williamson is, is it McKelty Williamson yeah McKelty Williamson as his mate yeah, and he's dying on the on the floor, and it's like God don't exist, and he's like, I'm going to show you God does exist. <laughs> what like then the- Cajun Conair essentially I- is like a action hero version of Forrest Gump. His mate is on the ground, and he's like suffering from a from a diabetic attack. He's trying to stop him. Really. Like you have quite quite a good investment for your like or your kind of love of the characters. Like you actually do feel like I don't know. I mean, like it's it's it, maybe it's just I was a kid. Best I can tell, you've been walking around two broken legs for weeks. When do I go back? You ever again land on those legs of yours? Those bones will turn to powder. Plenty other ways to serve your country. You want it to be special forces? Yes, sir. Why do you want to join the CIA? I'd like to help my country make a difference in the world. The average test time is five hours. I'm done, sir. It's been 40 minutes. 38 minutes? What should I do now? Whatever you want. The deputy director of the NSA offered me a new position. Can you tell me anything about it? (laughs) You know I can't. Find the terrorist in the internet haystack. You're making people very happy. Thank you. You ready for a little action? Oh, this looks juicy. How is this all possible? Think of it as a Google search, except instead of searching only what people make public, we're also looking at everything they don't. Emails, chats, SMS, whatever. Yeah, but which people? The whole kingdom, Snow White. The NSA is really tracking every cell phone in the world. Most Americans don't want freedom. They want security. Except people, they don't even know they've made that bargain. Are they watching us? There's something going on inside the government that's really wrong, and I can't ignore it. I just want to get this data to the world. Hey. Hey. I feel like I'm made to do this, and if I don't do it, then... I don't know anybody else that can. This is everything I have. They're gonna figure out what I've done. Did you access an unauthorized program? The government knows that we have these documents now. You're looking at a possible death sentence. I can't turn back from this. Watch yourself. We are running out of time. They're going to come for me. They're going to come for all of you, too. Perfect. So we've established your relationship with Cage and very much that you are a Cage fan. And your Mm -hmm. favorite uh, Cage film is the correct answer all in all, because Connor (laughs) is definitely one of the best Nick Cage films. But we're Mm -hmm. here today, obviously, to talk about Snowden, which uh, mm. is like, yeah, is this, was this your first time watching 
uh, Snowden for this podcast, or had you seen it before? Yes, it was. It very much was, because you sent me the list of the films that were impossible to watch, and a lot of them seemed like the type of ones with uh, badly photoshopped posters. And so I thought, and also, the, he's, Cage is, you wouldn't even know that he was in Snowden, which means it's got to be good. Like, if the only reason a, a Cage film is bad is if they need to let you know that he's in it in order for you to see it at all. That's the only reason. So it's almost like if he's on the poster, don't see it. <laughs> but if he isn't on the poster, it could be amazing. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's that, or if it's bad Photoshop mixed with yeah. uh, Oscar winner, Nicolas Cage on the top. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you've not got much else going, so you're trying to rely on that kind but, of Oscar crap. But he's not, he's, not, he's not in the poster for adaptation either, is he? You know what I mean? Like any film where like there's more than just him going on, means it's probably it's probably quite decent and i remember seeing it in your list and saying okay few and uh and, and and then i watched it and it's he is in it and not only that it's it's quite it's legit i think it's not just like a cameo i think because he has because he did the world trade center with yeah. Oliver stone so it's not just like oh we should get cage in this because he's a movie star it's the director deciding to put him in which I like, and that shows a real trust, you know, I think. And I, and it was really, it was, as much as I've said how much I love, like, the action movie Cage, it's always nice to get kind of subdued Cage, do you know what I mean? Well, like uh, a little bit of uh, matchstick man Cage, a little bit of, uh, 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 even like the, the frozen ground Cage. Like, I quite, I really like him in that. He's very quiet and subtle and kind of haunted. And in this, he's again, he's not stretched with a lot, but what he does, he does well, I think. Well, he, what do you think? Yeah, he's got this really interesting character as well, because like he kind of like but he bookends the film. He's like the first person that Edward Snowden meets when he mm. like joins the CIA or like goes to like the kind of CIA academy. And like I mm. was kind of I I got a bit excited then because like their first interaction is quite sweet and like they're talking about like uh, different kind of like decoding machines and like original mm, mm. he's kind of got this like the enigma device there and yeah, shit yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah or, or it's like the the enigma like part two, two. yeah because it's like oh, the original yeah. like this one could never be destroyed it's like the best thing yeah and yeah like, never got cracked and then like he he's got this kind of like i don't know almost like mr miyagi ish like thing of, like, <laughs> he's he's like the caretaker and like i i i was hoping that there would have been some kind of like I don't know. I guess in a different well, like at the end, at the end, he turns out to have been like a a wizard or something. Like he disappears into like magic. <laughs> or or it's the... like you did good, Ed. You did good, and then he like disappears, like like he's in the Mighty Ducks or something like that. Well, he kind of but has it... a scene like that, doesn't he? So he kind of like when eventually, Does... it yeah, he's like the emotional. He's the, he's the heart of the film, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. the emotional core. Yeah, exactly. He's the good one. Yeah, because like, when... I, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. I keep interrupting. Sorry, no, no. one second. When he when when it breaks, that Edward Snowden obviously like mm -hmm. blew that whistle. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. like Cage is there sitting at home smoking his cigar, and he's like got that joy, isn't he? He's like, he did it. He did it. He's kind of like pumping a fist. It's like his like... wife is completely ignoring him. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> It's probably going to be well, that's one of those uh, two day marriages, I think, for Cage. It's, uh, it's, well, I guess she did not seem engaged at all in what was happening on the screen. Well, one of, one of the things that uh, this film very much highlighted for me is like that, like 
being in the kind of intelligence industry mm. must be mm. horrible. That thing of like, there is, yeah. there is nothing better than coming home from work and just bitching about <laughs> like what you've been up to, or at least, do you know what I mean? Like I've worked yeah, in the service yeah. industry a lot and I like, most of, most of my anecdotes, do you know what I mean? Working like 12 hour shifts yeah. a day and then being told like, you're not allowed to tell anyone about that. It's like, I want to tell people about when I dropped a pizza on a kid. Like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's funny. It's like, it's like for, for people who work in the intelligence industry, like most people come home and go, oh my God, like uh, my boss has been a real asshole today. Uh, like today, a customer like asked me 10 million questions and then I was tired and I went to go home. Whereas if you're in the intelligence industry, you come home and you're tired and you say, well, today I had to watch my boss drone bomb a child. Yeah. Like, like, like that's intense. That is insane. Like the things that they must have to put up with of, of like moral relativism has got to be like mind blowing. And, and also like, it's funny when you said actually the, 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 the Mr. Miyagi angle, I kind of felt, I was watching it and I realized I felt like he was like the professor X to like Reese fans Magneto. Like I thought there was going to be more of an interplay between those two teachers, you know, yeah. you've got like the kind of the, the bad guy teacher and the good guy teacher. It's like, you know, Lupin versus Snape kind of thing going on. Uh, but I was, I was, I was hoping we were going to get like maybe like a cage versus E fans, like argument scene. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where like, get them together like almost fighting for the soul of ed you know what i mean like i, I mean but obviously that would be way too dramatic well, i think it's, it's funny isn't it when it's a real life event well and yeah then. and uh, what did you like uh, it's my uh, i'm pretty ignorant to like what happened mm. I, I remember like hearing about it at the time but never because what, what was it 2013 this story broke yeah. like yeah. I remember it happening at the time, but it might be to do with the fact that kind of things move on so quickly as well. Like mm. this yeah. year alone feels like it's like yeah. been about <laughs> six years in itself, let alone the fact that yes. this happened seven years ago. And I, I kind of had to like this film almost like refreshed and like I think showed in a mm. way like the severity of like what yes. what they and there's warnings in in the film that like, like and Edward Snowden at the time warned that like governments to come probably will will continue to do this and do worse things and I can I get worse well I think you've completely hit the nail on the head mate which was I was watching it and my abiding thought was that this film actually ages really badly it's like a film because because most films that are about like a significant event you want to feel the power of what's happening. Whereas with this, as you say, it's only like, so 2013, that's, um, the film came out in 2016, so that's four years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And in, in that time, so much has happened with computers and the internet and with whistleblowing and with uh, uh, being, you know, we've, we've had Cambridge Analytica, we've had Chelsea Manning, we've had all this kind of stuff. And it, it doesn't feel... It, it, it's almost like boring. It's like, it's like, oh, okay. It's almost like watching a movie set in the 50s before, about people learning that smoking kind of damages your health. Like, it's so obvious now. And now, you know, when you, every website we go on, they say, hey, do you mind if we spy on you? And you go, yeah, sure, spy on me. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, spy on me. God, you know, like there's this kind of, we're now so aware of it that it's, it's we've got Black Mirror now. Like, we know how it works. And it's almost like everyone's just, just, it's not outrageous anymore. And it's funny to see a film 
that's that's its whole bread and butter is about trying to communicate the horror of what it means. But it's almost like we don't remember a time when we weren't being spied on. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's almost weird when you actually see them at the, you know, saying like, "Wait, what? You mean America can access our Facebook accounts?" And it's like, "Well, of course they can access our yeah. Facebook." It's insane. You know. Ah, oh, I mean, yeah. It's 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 weird, isn't it? Because I love. I usually love movies about this, and I ended up um. Because you know you got Melissa Leo's character filming the documentary. Yeah. Uh, I started rewatching it. I watched it once a couple of weeks ago in prep, and then I started rewatching it this week. And then halfway through, I just stopped and started watching Citizen Four instead, which is the actual documentary, because <laughs> I found it a little bit more interesting. Because it was just that little bit more like factual and kind of it felt a little bit more like actual history, you know, in the making. And you saw how significant it was well because that as a movie it's not it's it's you know it's not quite i'm sorry i keep interrupting no, no, no. I, why am i interrupting you so much i think i've had two coffees today man <laughs> no, I, was... and I've, I don't think I've, I've never done a, a podcast over zoom as well it's uh it's been, at what point are we supposed to get our dicks out is it like, <laughs> is it like I, I, don't, I don't i don't i feel like uh it's, it's taking me too long to uh to get in the mood um sorry what were you saying i was just about to say that in regards to citizen four like I really want to watch it now and what how they portray it in the film as well mm. it seems like it has a lot more immediacy because it's there and like that was a thing that this film was kind of hamstrung in the fact that Citizen 4 came out two years mm. before came out in 2014 despite mm. Oliver Stone speaking to the journalist uh, Laura mm. uh, what is her name um Laura Proitrus uh, and like said to her like could could you hold off on the documentary until we release the <laughs> film because yeah. he he felt he, well his logic for it was that the the film would shine more of a bigger light on it but I think that mm. backfired because I remember yeah. at the time Citizen Four like mm. became like a critical success and kind of like blew up yeah and, like I think. I don't know. It was obviously before, like, that's the thing. Things have changed so much since then as well that, like, yeah. documentaries as well now are just, like, part and parcel of, like, our viewing habits as, like, a general, a, do you know I mean, mm. a, a general public. It would have been probably pre-making um, a murderer, like, documentaries mm. were, were for people who were, like, like I'm doing the action, like pushing up your glasses and just being like, oh, or, or, <laughs> or, or, or do you know what I mean? Or, or I watched a documentary the other night, or or just yeah, like, seen yeah. as quote unquote like for nerds or whatever. But like now, it's <clears> like <throat> if you didn't watch Tiger King, you're some kind of like philistine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I only watch documentaries when I want to feel awful. You know, <laughs> the invariably. In fact, I think maybe that's where the the logic of uh, Oliver Stone falls flat because I don't think the movie would have shown a better light because movies are by their very nature quite comforting. You know, like you feel like you feel quite warm and fuzzy at the 
Snowden, like, oh, he did it, you know, he, the, the, the kid did it, you know what I mean? Like, we're all with Cage. And as long as Cage is smoking a cigar and telling us that, like, it's it's all good, we kind of go, oh, okay, so I guess it's okay that the government is spying on us all the time. You know what I mean? So I think a documentary is, is, is kind of uncomfortable. It doesn't make you feel better. Almost certainly, like, if you ever watch, like, a vegan documentary or a documentary about Jeffrey Epstein or, like, anything like that, like, they, they pretty much invariably make you feel awful. And that's kind of what they're supposed to do. Movies don't. I mean, even even the pretty dark ones. You know? Well, one of the things I thought that would have like made for an interesting take on this kind of story is uh, in the way that uh, Bart Layton made American Animals, which is this kind of like I'm not sure if you've seen it, but like he's uh-huh. he's a documentarian, and mm. Oliver Stone himself as well has dabbled in like do- documentaries as well. Is American Animals is a true life story that has cutaways to like uh, talking heads from the actual players. Nice. Yeah. And he did a fun, his like uh, feature debut is a documentary called uh, the imposter, which uh, Mm. if you haven't seen it and anyone listening hasn't uh, seen it is. I've heard of the imposter. Yes. One of like the best documentary. Like this is how. Right. This is what the the point I was making about documentaries. It was like the people who watched them pre making murder were people like me yeah. who saw the imposter in the cinema. Do you know what I mean? Like, wow. <laughs> like yeah. it was meant to be like 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 as as haunting as like a real horror movie or something. Like it was like uh, I couldn't tell what it was about, but the whole point was don't know. You know, I, th- I think it's interesting about uh, movies that are based on real events because. The ones that I end up liking are probably more abstract, I guess, or or, or uh, they make the the artifice part of it. So, so things like The Big Short mm-hmm. or Twenty Four Hour Party People, that kind of thing, like where you actually have characters are allowed to turn to the camera and say, uh, "I said this happened," uh, and another person said this didn't happen. So we're going to show it, but. Uh, we we don't know if it really did happen, you know, or like you know, like I Tonya. I, I watched that oh. this year, and that was a brilliant movie. Yeah, fantastic. That was so well done. Well, that's yeah. that's those different, and this as well kind of tries to get around that in that it's mm-hmm. it's based on a book uh, by Snowden's like legal counsel from Russia, who wrote a mm-hmm. fictionalized version of mm. the event so it's based on that book and it and also based on the book snowden files and it all seems a bit confusing like yeah that like, well, is it like it, like snowden's in it but then is it true it, it, by the fact that snowden actually is in it does that mean that he's signing off on it as being true you know but then there's bits in it that apparently from a quick imdb search are not true do you know what i mean like uh his girlfriend did not know that he was going to disappear um he actually says it in citizen four they say uh you know does your girlfriend know and he's like no he's just, i literally just disappeared without telling her <laughs> it's incredible and and uh, obviously you know the reese fans character is um a composite because obviously the film needs a villain yeah. again to kind of reassure you and i think that's probably one of the film's major flaws i think is the need for a kind of a boo hiss villain yeah, Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and it, it, instead of like, what is the real villain, which is like the the mm. state itself, and not even 
not even like that it's not it can't be pinned on one person as we see because mm. there is a change yeah. in, in in the guard as it was well, a change in office like in mm. the presidential office and like it's bush yeah. and then it's obama but the problem yeah. is still there and there is no it is one of those things that it is a systemic problem mm. that whoever is in office is kind of kind of like i don't know like i'm sure there's people on 4chan and like i don't know like going like well actually there's there's or, or that you know what I mean there's these rumors that there's there's a document that's passed from president to president that only they yeah, can yeah. see and it's like yeah. these are these are the rules man like this is what you got yeah exactly it's like the bill hicks joke of like uh, when you become president they take you into a smoke-filled room and show you a, a piece of film of the kennedy assassination from an angle that you're not familiar with yeah. <laughs> i think i think you're absolutely right in that like if you actually think about what's scary in the world it's not one person it's large groups of people it's systems yeah. systems are terrifying and also like they make they make quite a lot of pains in the movie to make it so that his co-workers at the you know the underground bunker where he's working are all kind of in on it but not really but they're kind of sympathetic you know like his mates and it's it's strange because in a way it makes it seem as if like everybody except 3c fans doesn't like the idea that it's like uh, well it's like well how well, why is it happening <laughs> like like there's this strange uh kind of passing the buck of giving this one villain as long as you've got this one villain for us to boo and hiss at he even has that scene where it almost it almost goes like incoming message from the big giant head yeah. you know like of his like giant screen <laughs> it's just like he's back in third rock from the sun again and it's there's this like evil like he's like the bad guy from the last starfighter like this giant holographic head kind of being all evil and playing it really evil like Reese fans can't play villains he's he's mm. like he keeps getting cast as them but he's just too obviously a villain like if you actually look at like like Timothy Oliphant in the same movie, much better because he's likable. Yeah. Like that's scarier. It's scarier if you're if you're actually like your boss and he's just a normal guy. That would have been like I was telling my brother about this because my brother said my brother saw a screening of this and he said that the scriptwriter had actually really wanted the bad guy not to be like that, and that uh, there was the studio note saying like he needs to be more villainous. And and I think both both Dave and I really agreed that like if you cast someone like Paul Giamatti or something, mm -hmm. someone who's like really lovable and have him play it quite normal, like like I mean even um, Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. someone who you wouldn't see as a villain, but is very much part of the system. You know, that's what would have been so much more interesting. And instead, we have this kind of kind of pantomime pantomime villain it didn't that was that that's the real down point of the film i think well yeah one, one of the like one of the shining things of this film is the uh like the bit part players who who keep popping mm. up in and like it's very much like a, a who's who of people who either like like ha had been famous for years whether it's a, a nick cage or like a, a jolie richards or tom wilkinson yeah uh, yeah, Zach yeah, yeah, Zachary Quinter, or people who like mm. would then go on to do like great things, or yeah, the, the the Get Out guys in it as well. The Le the Lakeith Stanfield, yeah, Lakeith Stanfield, yeah, he's, he's great, rocking that mustard shirt like a boss. Fucking love that. <laughs> if I could just have his look in this movie, <laughs> like... yeah, so there's him. Who else is there? There's uh, um, Sean Eastwood. 
as yeah. his boss when he's in oh, no, Scott, Scott, Scott Eastwood. Eastwood. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Which is really funny considering how Clint Eastwood's like this far right conservative guy um, for, um, you know, his son to be in this quite, you know, liberally, liberally minded movie. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Maybe, then, maybe he has different views. Well, yeah, you, you, you always rebel against your parents, don't you? you know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then it's like, yeah, just, just, just looking at who, who else pops up as well. So, uh, is it- well, you got Melissa Leo, obviously, as as Laura. Yeah. She's always great. She's fantastic. Um, you know, I, I thought Shailene Woodley was really good. Like she was a uh, playing manic manic pixie liberal <laughs> in, in the movie. That's so funny. I love that. Is that even true? Like, do Americans go on dates with people on the other side of the like? Is there like a dating app in America for like conservatives to fuck liberals? Because I think that's really strange. <laughs> That's like they're just like charmingly bantering about like, well, uh, I, I don't uh, believe in uh, criticizing the troops, and that's like when she kisses him for the first time, and I'm like, like, like it doesn't happen in this country, do we? Like yeah. nobody like knowingly goes on a date with a Tory in this country. You know what I mean? If they're not a Tory, like well, yeah, it's, well, it's, unless it's a weird fetish. It's that thing, like uh, it's it's very much like a slogan in this country, or like uh, you see it bandied about. It's like never fuck a Tory. Or like, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. or like, you'll have dating apps where like you can put your political preference on there, and exactly. Or, or yeah, I think I think there's like dating apps just for matching people who read the Guardian. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. But in America, maybe maybe America has a kind of a weird fetishistic thing. Like I bet it maybe it does. Or, you know, like they have a good argumentative. Like I, I would like to know if that is true about them, or if that's kind of mm. like that is just a, a representation for the audience to be like. Well, yeah. the, we need to let uh, we need to let the audience know because apart from that conversation, you don't really get any mm. indication that he is right leaning, and like you kind yeah. of need this. Uh, you mm. kind of need yeah. You need the. Uh, you need you need that to happen so you can see conflict makes drama yeah exactly you can can see that you can see the change you can see the change in him that it sees that as he becomes more liberal and he's like kind of silently pumping a fist for barack obama becoming president Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. when the seed is planted and he's like he's kind of his deterioration of his enjoyment for his work kind of like comes yeah. in and he's like I, I don't want to do this and eventually hits breaking point in 2013 yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about uh gordon levitt in the role i think he's great i i'm a massive joseph gordon levitt yeah, fan yeah. like i i and... well, yeah yeah i have a kind of i have a kind of a, he's a mixed bag for me because i think he's 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 great but he's also one of those actors who he's always like trying something like he's always doing something new like he's a bit of a show-off you know um <laughs> It's like it's like it's like today. Um, this movie will be starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt's new accent. You know, <laughs> like he's either doing like you know um, his Dark Knight Rises from stores with ice compartments, <laughs> or he's doing um, you know he's doing Looper and he's like actually doing like a really quite good impersonation of um, Bruce Willis yeah. of uh, Bruce Willis. You know, and he's even wearing like prosthetics, so he's actually leaning into it. Like he's obviously not afraid of like being impressive so in that way i guess i'm getting a bit of a like drama school vibe off him but he you can't you can't you can't doubt you know you can't like there's no saying that he's a bad actor because and especially in this because he sounds exactly like snowden like if you ever if you watch citizen four he's got that voice perfect 
like maybe in maybe in a couple of years he could do um he could play young Noam Chomsky or something like that he's got that kind of dull gravelly like you know what I mean like he's he nailed it like he's very good and he and he makes it as boring as it should be (laughs) if that makes any sense Snowden's parents as well commended him on his portrayal of their son Ah, they they, they went to a screening and were like this like it's like you were playing Uh, and and that kind of I like it as well that it's like it happens so so much in cinema that they go for somebody who just looks like the person whether it's like but the the more interesting performances are like your Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Mm. Cash where it's like he looks nothing like Johnny Cash but he he encapsulates that character and like what 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 this perception of Johnny Cash although in that story it's like that that to me is Johnny Mm. Cash like sometimes you they nail it I mean sometimes you get Jamie Foxx in Ray and it's like, yeah, exactly. like yeah. he looks the same, he sounds the same. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. He's he's amazing in it. Whereas like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's it's funny for him because when you think of Snowden, you just think of the glasses and you think of the voice, and that's that's all you really need. And and he's the right age, he's the right build. He doesn't look exactly like him, but I think he just is. He he also kind of nails the kind of the the kind of. Uh, as I say, I, I said it earlier, but boring. Like he, like I have a weird, I have a weird preference for films that are about real events. Which is, I either want them to be like The Big Short, where it's overly theatrical, kind of knowingly so, or I want it kind of like uh, Spotlight or um, United Ninety Three, where it's so realistic, it's almost dull. Like that's kind of, and he kind of encapsulates that. I think. Like he's young and exciting because he's he is young and exciting, but he does everything in his power to make it seem like he is this just uber nerd with a kind of conservative family, and he just has this kind of dull baseline voice. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that is almost the film's integrity there because the rest of the film doesn't quite match him for realism. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's- like. Like yeah, like apparently Snowden himself he said that the underground bunker and stuff like that like he said that they never look like that, they look boring, they look like offices, and so it's like I would have loved to see a film that was just like stri- like alienatingly dull. <laughs> I actually want that. I want a film that's so impenetrable in its jargon that like I'm playing catch up. <laughs> three hours after the movie's ended. That's the only way that I could possibly feel like it was a justifiably done, like, biopic. <laughs> I love movies where I don't, where there's lots of jargon, where you don't understand what's going on. There's, like, there was, um, like, The Insider. Do you remember The Insider with uh, Russell Crowe and um, Al Pacino, the oh. Michael Mann film? Oh, highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get on that. Uh, but it's all about this, uh, another whistleblower guy, and um, it's uh, Al Pacino works for the show 60 Minutes, and there's a scene which is just the entire 60 Minutes team eating, I think, like Chinese takeaway or something in the office. And they're just around a table and they're doing the one thing that you should just never do in a movie, which is just exposition dumping. Yeah. They're just talking and just just like laying it all out. But the reason it works is because it's the thing that would happen yeah. because they're a TV company and they have to work out how they're going to handle the material that they've got. And it's there's legal issues and all this stuff. And so what should be the worst piece of writing ever is just addictively interesting because you're just playing catch up with these actual people doing their jobs. 
And I love films like that. And I think as much as this film could have been that, it's really watered down. And I think the only place where it's like really present is Gordon Levitt's performance in a way, if that makes any sense. Well, one of the films I couldn't help but think about when it came to this is, uh, it probably seems quite hacked to say it, is The Social Network. And then, and then, mm. then it kind of like was in my head like, what would the, what would this story have been like in the hands of like a David Fincher and that kind of like, yeah. like, uh, or, or, yeah, that pairing up of Aaron Sorkin, David, or mm. like, yeah, if they, if this script was given to Aaron, yeah, Aaron Sorkin, mm. yeah, who's someone who likes to lean into that kind of like fun, yeah. but like borders on the, the impenetrable like do you know I mean? yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. i think Sorkin probably would have made it a little smug <laughs> with itself um uh, uh i would have maybe thought of like who, who would i think maybe someone left field like when a herzog or something you know or um yeah uh, um what's his name uh or, or Greengrass or someone someone who could just kind of like make it feel like there's no reason or, or even someone even more like like um when you got Danny Boyle doing um, Steve Jobs to this Aaron Sorkin script. Like, there's no reason for for him to direct that movie, but that's why it's interesting. But you know what I mean? Like, why the fuck would Danny Boyle make a film about Steve Jobs? It makes no sense. And that's what's interesting about it, you know? Well, because yeah. this now just feels like another, like, uh, another, like, quote, like, quote, unquote, um, Oliver Stone movie. Do you know what I mean? He's kind mm-hmm. of, he's become this guy who does the like, do you know what I mean? Whether it's W, World Trade Center, JFK, mm-hmm. like he, he he will go back to just doing these like, well, here's a film about like real events in, in, in the Oliver Stone way. And he's very much got his political message to push. Whereas like, I think this one is, is kind of hard because as much as it is left, like do you know what I mean leaning like to the left it's there is there is this like I, I don't know I think like somebody who somebody like an outsider like a Werner Herzog who isn't yeah, from, yeah, yeah. isn't from America could mm. probably like give this thing that it's like a criticism on the country as a whole as opposed to yeah, yeah. Well, also just acknowledging his, you know, the, the character as not being a liberal, like he's kind of a mixture, isn't he? Like, it's almost like, uh, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to see Bombshell, the, the, um, about the Me Too movement in the Fox network, because it's basically, I think it would be so much more interesting to see a group of conservative people um, doing the right thing <laughs> so it's like it's like if, if you were able to make a movie where you were able to acknowledge the the kind of the, the weird because america is such a uh polarized country it's you know it, it it is like his girlfriend's a liberal and he's not a liberal and it's kind of like well you know a lot of people and that kind of sums up america is this this one huge kind of uh, like it, 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 as you say, I think it takes an outsider to look at that and actually not feel like you have to support one or the other. Just show what happened. Well, I, like he's a, he, he has a military family. He obviously has worked in the government for his entire life, and he's mildly mildly conservative. But then he's a super liberal when it comes to freedom of speech and to to like he has that integrity. 
and that's what kind of got stirred in him as opposed to just like he slowly became a liberal it's more like it's it's more like it's more complicated than that you know i, I feel like the, the film could have done yeah i, I feel like it's it, it's a good film but you're right it's comforting it's 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 very comforting by the fact that it's an oliver stone movie mm -hmm. because it's like ah, oh, the conspiracy theory guy does the conspiracy theory movie it's another it's another blanket for us to kind of yeah. put them in ourselves in yeah. Well, it's that thing as well, and like to the point of like an outsider director as well, is that the the big bad in this is mm. is isn't the right or isn't the left because like it's, it's uh, the lizard. <laughs> it might as well, but like yeah, well yeah, don't get don't get David. I yeah, don't don't let's not let's not wake awaken that beast. Next thing you know, I'll be we're getting trolled. Oh, I, I I meant from the incredible from the the Amazing Spider Man. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Reese fans does generic bad guy role. That would have been. I would watch that movie. <laughs> Next thing you know, I've QAnon hitting me up on the on social media. I'll be I'll be blacklisted. I'll be oh, amazing. I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll be there listed as a as a as a left wing paedophile like the rest of them. I think that's what cool. I believe. Uh, um, what, I mean, I hope we are on a list just by doing this podcast. I mean, yeah, I mean no, yeah. we're not. I mean, it's a real slap in the face, honestly. I will be if if I'm talking about. If I'm not on some list already for just being like, I don't. It's just like wacky Nick mm. Cage guys. Like I think, yes. I, think I think I'm definitely like gaining that reputation. Or yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think if Nick Cage comes up in your majority of Google searches, you're instantly in a, a kind of a, a render farm in some like you're you're in some hard drive somewhere uh, under the Nevada desert, probably. Let's say, you know. that's that's where I want to be. Uh, <laughs> um, what did you think of? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one moment that really jumped out to me is. Uh, the weird like robot interview at the end when Snowden is like we're, like kind of remote control oh, yeah. out like on a <laughs> on, on what is essentially like a computer screen and then like they took his body <laughs> the, the interviewer keeps like it's like he's got a remote control and then like positions it to himself when he's like talking mm. and then yeah. positions it to the audience and, like yeah, I got taken out of that moment because all I thought was, why don't they've got three screens in the back? Just put Snowden up on one of the screens, yeah. and do yeah, it like exactly. a face-to-face -face interview with the internet. Like we're we're doing this podcast over Zoom. I'm not turning your laptop ever. You know, I'm not I'm not turning it yeah. to face me whenever you say something. It doesn't it doesn't uh, increase the 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 uh, kind of. It doesn't. It doesn't make it a fuller experience for me. Or even if it's this actually... were in a live setting, so if me and you were like chatting opposite each other, I wouldn't like. Mm. I don't know. Like if you asked me a question, I wouldn't then turn to the audience. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> the information they care about. Not like here is Edward Snowden. Like it's... yeah, it's like Johnny Five uh, releasing secret documents and shit. Yeah, like it's like if he paused for thoughts, would they would they have like turned the screen up to kind of look <laughs> up at the like thinking? Hmm, I don't know. Let me, let me ponder that one. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I think it was a bit of a strange one. And then also the 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 transition they use that as the transition to real Snowden, don't mm -hmm. they? But I feel like they kind of blow that. 
because the music is telling us that the real Snowden's going to be there before his face shows up. So it's like just a simple editing thing of like, if you're gonna, don't they tip their hand, like you can tell it's going to become the real him. It's, it's like, oh, you should have just like had it be like all in one smooth what, motion. And they don't match the room that he's in. No. Uh, like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, like for like, yeah. like, so... The, the where Joseph Gordon-Levitt is when he's playing mm. Snowden looks mm. really run. It looks like he's in the seventies, like this kind of <laughs> run that what you would imagine like Eastern Bloc, like Moscow to look like. Yeah, in, exactly. Even yeah. even now, like do you know what I mean? Like, there is this kind of perception that it is all very. There's people being shot in the streets yeah. outside. It's seventies austere, isn't it? It's very austere. Yeah. Whereas like. Where Snowden's actually living or, or like presenting mm. that 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 speech from looks quite nice. Do you know what I mean? Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Russia. I, I I can say, you know, live on this podcast, they do have houses. Yes, it's uh, it's true. <laughs> they can, you, they they can decorate them and everything. It's uh, it's very. Uh, and I'm not even, I haven't even been to Russia and I know that, but um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's a strange, it's, it does kind of feel weird because what they could have done is they could have just had the interviewer say, and now we have Edward Snowden and just have Edward Snowden's face pop up mm -hmm. on the robot. Yeah, That would have been more interesting. Or if they'd had Joseph Gordon-Levitt like sat in the scene and then he's about to, he's waiting to be interviewed. And then when the camera turns on, it's him. It's the real him. Yeah. That would be so much better. Yeah. And then everything he says is from the real him. Like we don't need our hand held through this kind of this reveal. I love movies that do that. There are a couple of movies. I, I, I don't think I can bring any to mind, but there are a few movies about real people where if you see them on a screen, it's the real them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I love I've, movies like that. I think that that would have been so much cleverer. Yeah, I know the know? type of thing you talk about, like where they use like archive footage instead of doing that really bad, like when they like weird photoshop <laughs> their head and it's like no that, oh, yeah that looks too high res for like a black and white footage of exactly. the beatles and the shadows like, coming from the wrong side yeah, it's, it's like, like um, listen like, in fact nicholas cage has one in, in this film they, they see like young nicholas cage and yeah. it's like hey oliver you you studied the sagruda film you know what about a dodgy <laughs> you you need to get the the grain right man He's in kind of like Moonstruck era cage, like all gaunt and like uh, sideburns and stuff. Yeah, but then it's like it, it's a very it's a naturalistic looking photo. Then Cage is very like high contrast, black, white. Do you know what I mean? It's like no, there, there's some grey. There is literally some grey in 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 that that like makes it look believable. Like, like one of his film posters. Yeah. <laughs> so. Is, is there any other points on this film, that, any moments that really like jumped out to you before we start to wrap things up now? Mm. Right. Well, maybe we should talk about like uh, like Cage himself in the film. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah, there were some really nice moments in his character. Because as you say, he was this kind of like sage-like character. And it's almost like, I do wish we'd see more of him. And it almost feels like he is in it more than he is like the second time I watched it, I was surprised that, that that it was over. But he has that scene, doesn't he, where he starts telling uh, Snowden about His the boss. the program, the program that he wrote that then got bastardized and then caused a load of problems. 
and it's basically foreshadowing everything that happens to Snowden with uh, his uh, his program that then gets used for drone bombings, whereas it was supposed to be just essentially backing up files. That was the, what the thing was invented for. And then Cage does one of those wonderful, subtle Cage things where it's like he's doing a subtle performance and uh, he says uh, it caused all sorts of problems and this and that, and not to mention, and he's about to, you can tell he's about to say people died, you know, uh, and then he stops himself and then like rubs his nose, <laughs> does this little kind of side side nudge with his nose. And, and it's like, it's that nice little kind of little moment of him realizing that he can't say what he wants to say. And it's one of those things that you, it, when you see it and you know just how big Cage can go as an actor and you go, oh, oh, he's actually underplaying it. Like he's actually, yeah. he could go Wile E. Coyote with this. You know what I mean? He could go, um, uh, you know, Pepe Le Pew or something like he could do any number of different things with it and he's chosen not to and it's almost like his character is is as as kind of caged in as he is as his character is he's a very restricted character I was I, I almost thought it was weird to see him so happy looking at the end like in like a nice house and like you know he's just sat there with his cigar or whatever and it's like you expected him to be like Robert Downey Jr. in um, Zodiac like all run down and living in a trailer or something drinking himself to death well, well it's that thing as well that like I'm not just saying this from the standpoint of somebody who like week in week out watches Nick Cage films and talks about them at length but like I feel this mm. film would be lacking without, like, maybe not necessarily him, but his character, I feel, is is a mm. really good linchpin. As you said, like, that nice foreshadowing and that kind of, like, I don't know, like, he's got, he, he acts as the audience. Like, he, mm. he's a conduit for us when mm. it's revealed, like, that he's done it. And yeah. his excitement and stuff like that. and And obviously he is the kind of, the catalyst like that it's played mm. in this film that he is his cautionary tale like mm. possibly sowed the seed for what snowden did mm. and it's like he's the cautionary yeah he's the yeah he's he's the moral compass of the movie he's like it's like and and also that you're right that the see when you see him at the end and it's like as long as and he he's the guy who signs off like he's the guy who is like as long as cage is Cage approves, like he's like a stamp. It's like, he's a comforting, and it's almost like, it actually kind of makes sense as to why he's Nicolas Cage. Cause it's like, he, he is a, he was a movie star. He was like one of the biggest actors in the world like during the nineties. And so it really does work because we feel comfortable with him. So to see him kind of say, oh, the kid did it, means we feel like the kid did do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there is like a reason to cast a movie star in that role, not just an actor. And also in in the fact that Cage has like this event in his life that things like went went a different direction that they could have done. Like in mm -hmm. in two, uh, two thousand and nine, like he had um, his manager at the time had like not been paying his tax. Had like yeah mm. been, been 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 looking after his money and not paying Cage's taxes, and it's almost like with that back like going into this film with that baggage it's like he like you can see how he can kind of like he can tell a story like that and i imagine like at some point mm. whether it's a younger actor or like a family member has probably told that cautionary tale about about his own life and like mm. as as a fan like kind of like hearing him deliver that that tale about like the the program that got misused it's like yeah yeah 
he's got he's got that real life baggage to bring to that yeah. bring to that story, which I think like and makes it even more. Does doesn't he? He brings that kind of beat. He's kind of like a beaten man, isn't he? Like like and and Cage has had to suck it up and make some terrible movies, and you know, like he has had to you know uh, do pay his dues over again many times. And one thing that's funny about that character, as you say, is that like. One thing you you would want, you would usually ask if he was played by some other guy who was like a little bit more polished or whatever, you'd say, well, why didn't he leak information? Like he's obviously the moral compass of the movie. Why didn't he do this instead of Snowden? And with Cage, you get that sense of oh, because he's defeated, because he he he's he's he just is part of the furniture now. He's just this old company man who can't do anything. You know what I mean? He's been beaten. And I think that that he really brings because there are some lines. I think there's one bit. I think there's one bit where he says, "Just says they were drowning in data or something like that." I think that's his like like, and he almost looks like angry as he says it. Like he, like he's he's got like a, his face kind of twists up and he looks, he looks really angry. And he's talking about fucking data. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so strange, but he, he infuses it with that resentment. It's great. You know, well, yeah, you're right. One of the points I wanted to make about this film as well, like. Uh, is that I think it does a really good job at explaining like to the audience what things are like things that I imagine mm. would be like quite like I don't know, high concept or or a lot of like jargon in them like mm. it, 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 it is very much entry level especially like when they're talking about the uh, X keyword like software I think mm. like, that one like like I'm not sure if it's because like I have an understanding of what the term keyword means anyway but like the way he mm. explains that i feel like to a layman they would un- kind mm. of understand that software that like is created mm. and, and and how that works i think that's it's across the board as well and it seems like mm. it might be that snowden happened yeah even what's the other one that he creates the uh Oh, they've they've all got they've all got really crazy. Yeah, names. well, I mean the, the the one that he creates at the end is called Heartbeat or something. There's Heartbeat. And um, there's one before yeah. that, isn't there? It's um, like the epic, epic sanctuary or something like that, or epic something. Yeah, it's like epic, epic uh, shelter, epic shelter, epic shelter. Yeah, 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 perfect. Which, uh, these all sound like Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> <laughs> They all sound like Nicolas Cage movies from the noughties. Oh my god, all terrible. Oh man, yeah, yeah, no, those. Um, what were you gonna say about it? The, that that, the, that the... epic shelter. There's that really like cool like visual scene where it kind of visualizes what it was all doing and kind of like it eventually turns into uh, Snowden's like Iris. Mm. And then yeah. like, just that really thing of like just really explains that like your every bit of data like and like just the severity yeah. of it like that was one of the moments i went like oh fuck when they're like so mm. they were working in japan they were like uh <laughs> we asked them if we could like mine their data they said no but we fucking did it anyway we did it yeah to, yeah we did it to this country to that country and there is one moment that like kind of like tips it's or like kind of like gives a glint of like that big short thing you talk about where it kind of like mm. pulls the blanket yeah. down when he's like doing the vo- like is it yeah he's either explaining or the voiceover and like mm-hmm. he, he makes a joke about like austria and it's like yeah. you could very much see that in like the yeah the big short yeah. or like vice like that kind yeah. of joke yeah. and it's like 
Yeah, it was almost like Wolf of Wall Street, but mm. for the internet, you know, yeah, a little bit like, you know, if, yeah, you could almost have that kind of anti-hero, like we did this, we did that. It's like Goodfellas or something. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Like, just like speaking from the point of view of the bad guys, essentially, he yeah. worked for years as one of the bad guys. You know, you could almost could have leaned into that even more, like made him a little bit, you know, anti-heroic. As yeah, morally ambiguous. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, those bits work really well. The only thing, the only reason the film falls flat is just, as we said before, just that it's just that we have gone so far past it that it, it's not shocking anymore. But it, it should be like if it had come out uh, two years earlier or even three years earlier, it would have had so much more impact. Yeah, definitely. So interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, with Cage, it's probably. Uh, best to ask you three questions I always ask at the end and this one's probably quite unfair because like really screen time cage wise probably doesn't even clock in at more than 10 minutes but does he have <laughs> bad hair in this film I'd say hmm, I'd say for his age I'd say it's a baseline it's like a standard baseline hair it's it's um, uh, hairs interlinked baseline cage uh, very very inoffensive but uh, definitely pretty bad. <laughs> and I, like, can, can I ask a question? Ha, ha, have you have you actually have you actually talked about this on the podcast yet? Is Nick, has Nicholas Cage ever shown what his actual head of hair should look like? Like like is it real? Is it not real? Like it, are there is there a fact? Can we leak this information? Like I need to know if it's actually true or not. Like should he look like like should he have like a half crown or is he bald? Like what's his actual hair like? I think he's just got a quite, he's got, I think like he has got his natural hair like when okay. you see him in, in real life. I'm not sure whether he's had like plugs or anything like that. And right. he seems like when he's not doing films, quite like he, he, he is kind of like old Hollywood in that way that like mm. you don't like, you might get the occasional bit of like, Cage has been seen in like a sushi bar with Crispin Glover, or like he's been married. <laughs> he got married for four days, or something like that. But yeah, you, don't exactly. know, you don't know everything about. He's, do you know what I mean? He's not like Will Smith, he's where he's where he's going. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's not Will Smith, where he's like, oh, oh God, I got cuckolded like oh. <laughs> <laughs> online. Or do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it's the, yeah, exactly. We don't know. We don't know every intricate. Will Smith. Going, going for that Oscar off screen as well as yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing his pursuit of happiness lip tremble. Um. Yeah, we're going like, oh, like this pandemic's going on a bit. Like, we need to stay relevant. Like, come on, yeah. come oh, on, Jenna. <laughs> um. Oh man, yeah, no, he's he's yeah, you're right. He's quite old Hollywood. In fact, that's actually one of the things I actually really love about him is that I have kind of ultimate respect for the fact that he's a member of the Coppola family. Yeah but doesn't call himself Nicholas Coppola. Like, I mean, may, maybe that was like, you know, out of rebellion or maybe it was because he felt like it would have been a detraction, but like, you know, as a family that's like notorious for the odd bit of nepotism, it's, I have such respect for him for becoming his own person and stuff. Well, that's... He does have a bit of that old school integrity, I think, as a as an actor well there's there's yeah there's a great story he tells on like a 1990 clip of him on wogan mm. uh where he oh really he, yeah. he explains like why that is and it's like he was picked on basically for for the coppola name because oh, wow. it's like everyone was like quoting the godfather at him and stuff like that and then when he kind right. of went out on his own he's like i'm nicholas cage 
but a lot of his early roles <laughs> did fall into nepotism because he's in at least three from yeah. Ford Coppola films with oh, okay. his first like six films. Can, out. You, can you imagine being a child and having lines from The Godfather yelled at you in school? <laughs> you wouldn't know what was happening because he wouldn't have watched The Godfather. So he'd just have people going up to him going like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, <laughs> or so later. <laughs> I don't know. It is Wednesday. Like, what are you? Leave me alone. I don't know what you want. That's so funny. What a horrible way to bully a child. Just obscure references from age-inappropriate movies. <laughs> well, like, it obviously it obviously did something in that, like, it went, you know what, I'm going to fucking change my name to, to Nick, like, Nick Coppola. And it's really, I listened to, like, a, an interview recently. His brother has a radio show, and it's really, oh, really? nice to hear, like, his family, because they all call him Nicky, which, like, sounds very, like, Italian as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like hey, little, little Nicky yeah, Cage, yeah, yeah. yeah. Little Nicky Coppola, Aww. like um Coppola, yeah. Oh so uh It's lovely. <laughs> um sorry, I'm just thinking now I'm just imagining I'm imagining like a like a, a little like twelve year old Nicky Nicky Coppola and I'm just like, oh like running around in a big house. <laughs> I've got this thing where I can't picture people what they look like as kids apart from the fact that it's just like their head on a smaller body. Have you ever watched Empire of the Sun with Christian Bale as a little kid? It's like he's been like, it's like he's like go, playing GoldenEye with DK mode. <laughs> it's so fucking weird. You're absolutely right. That is fucking crazy. Um, oh, j j just to tie it back to the, the hair, I was just going to say that like, um, obviously his face-off counterpart, uh, John Travolta, recently allowed himself to have his, his head shaved. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think it's so interesting because like there, there comes an age because my hairline is receding a bit. Um, uh, uh, I don't think I'll ever go fully bald because my, uh, my mum's dad isn't bald, but um, it's definitely receding. And so, um, uh, my girlfriend basically, uh, asked if she could like trip, you know, uh, trim me, you know, clip me. And we did a full, full all over the head, like, you know, number one or whatever. And it looks great, you know what I mean? And so it's basically this thing of like, I'm now future-proofing my head, essentially. Uh, and so part of me wonders, like, one day, could we just get one, like, bald cage? Yeah. Because maybe he'd look great. He might look amazing. And it's like, I know if you're in Hollywood and you you've got you need to have hair and you're of a certain generation and you feel like, you know, it's like when you see, like, um, like a, a, you know, a woman uh, from, like, you know, who was, like, 20 in the 1940s, and they're 99, but they still wear, wear, like, red lipstick. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, you don't have to wear lipstick every day of your life, but you can't not, because it's just, that's how it is. I bet that's how he is with him. Dude, just, just shave it off. You'll look amazing. You'll look fierce. <laughs> Oh, I just oh, we, we can only I hope that they'll do face off too, and oh. it'll, be, it'll be it'll be two two chrome domes running about yeah. with each other's faces on, and it would be oh, it would be amazing. In fact, I, I I don't understand why he doesn't do. He's he's almost never really done. I think maybe with Cusack, he's done a couple of because obviously in Hidden Ground they were in Con Air together, and then but he doesn't do a lot of like team like like reckons. He doesn't do like a, what do you call it like um. You know when you when he's famous for acting with an actor and then yeah, they no, no like um yeah like I, we 
we we need a kind of Nick Cage, John Travolta, righteous kill is what we need. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. Probably would end up like righteous kill. (laughs) But I'd watch it. Like I think I think we need to see a film in which Travolta and Cage are like best buds. Yeah. You know, like cops. They're like cops, and they've been doing the job for years, and they're each other's best friend. Like I would watch that film in the cinema. I reckon definitely there has been stuff floated to them in in the past. I I would I would even hesitate like. I would yeah hazard a bet that Cage was offered a role in like Wild Hogs, you know that like <laughs> Travolta. Is it like Travolta, Tim Allen, and like Robin Williams? Robin or something Williams, or something. yeah, where they're all like old grifters who used to be bikers <laughs> back in the day. Wild. <laughs> he should have been in Wild Hogs. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need, yeah, like, yeah, we need like an Unforgiven, like it's like an old western starring John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. It's like I don't kill anybody without him. Like they're just like good buddies. Well, all we can hope <laughs> for at the moment is like there is a film that is in development and like keeps like every bit of new like news that comes out mm. seems like it's mm. like turning out to be more and more interesting. It's a film mm. titled like The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And it is Nicolas <laughs> Cage playing himself. Ah, and, nice. Um, JCVDing it a bit, doing the doing the Van Damme thing. But, I um, like that. the cast that's been announced so far is Pedro Pascal has been uh, <laughs> that's like, the... cast in it, and like yeah. just yesterday, Sharon Horgan has been announced that she's going to be in it as well, and it's <laughs> just Sharon Horgan. Sharon she? she is catastrophe. The like, uh, <gasps> oh, I love her. And has oh my god, got, she's great. Got a hand in like kind of like modern British comedy, like especially like yeah. scripted stuff on TV. So has worked with. Uh, so cool. She co-wrote the uh, or like developed. Uh, yeah, Ash- and Ashley Game- yeah, and then she was in Game Night as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's probably breaking breaking Hollywood and stuff. She's great. I love catastrophe. Oh, okay, that's exciting. All right, we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, so like, but yeah, no, we, yeah, yeah. We need, we need, we need Cage and Travolta like back together because that film will well, fade. We'll have Cusack in there. <laughs> I, I had high hopes for like Expendables three. I was hoping that you'd, you'd get them in, even if it wasn't to play like action characters. Like, even if they were just like two FBI agents, I'd still be like, you've got my ticket. Like, just put them in a movie deal. Well, there's a story I always tell on this podcast. So I, I, I think it was Expendables two that would have been mm. the right time for it is uh, Nick Cage turned down a role to be in mm. Expendables to do the movie, really? to do the movie oh. Joe. Ah, oh, I see. Which, well, that, that was, that was meant to be a really good one, right? Wasn't it? Joe is that was one of the better films. Joe is one of the best Nick Cage films ever been made. Yeah. Oh, oh right. So he, so he made the right, he made the right call. Yeah. And he's gone on record. Damn it. Saying, Isn't it terrible when like, he actually made. He actually did the right thing, and yet I wanted him to be an expendable. <laughs> this is why the world is so messed up. Because <laughs> this is this is the landscape of film fandom at the moment. Yeah, the contradiction yeah, yeah. in quality and uh, and. <laughs> well, before I let you go, oh, I have wow. to ask you the final question, which is: Do we? Get a, yes, please. Yes, do we get yes. a Nick Cage freak out in this film? I think. I think from our conversation everybody knows what the answer is going to be unless you count his 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 diatribe against the data that's about it i'd say Um, and then he stops himself and soberly rubs his nose with his (laughs) his forefinger 
um, smelling the bullshit that um, uh, has been painted onto it over years as a as a G man. Yeah, no, no freak out, unfortunately. If that's what people want, they're not going to get it here. But I don't think necessarily that is the mark of a good Nicolas Cage. A lot of people like, no. I think the people who see him as this like quote unquote meme that that's that's what yeah. they want from films. But I don't know. Yeah. In- I remember watching Deadfall and like, you know, uh, I'm a Nicolas Cage fan. And I was I watched Deadfall once and it was just like, yeah, I can't sanction this buffoonery. <laughs> this is not, it's it's almost like 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 cuttingly annoying. Like well, like the that- designed to be an internet like a meme and it's just not it's not for me. Yeah, that film works as like a kind of sizzle reel of his kind of like moments in it. Like mm. the film itself does not work like uh anyway there's not like and people don't realize as well that there's not a lot of nick cage in that film like no and and it's like another one of those like threadbare like it's shot in la and that's what makes it a movie but it's not really like a movie it's like it's also got one of those horrible like sex scenes that looks like it was shot in a really cold room Like it's probably the it was probably the least sexy sex scene I've ever seen in a movie was in Deadfall and it just looked like you could just feel the the discomfort in the set like just like this just blue light coming like blue artificial light coming through windows and everyone just looks really, looks really cold and unhappy. And what is it's frank- like the sexy Braveheart? What what's <laughs> frankly quite bizarre as well is the fact that Nicolas Cage reprised his character from Deadfall in 2017 in a film called uh, Arsenal or Southern Fury, again, depending where you live in the world. Um, and which makes no sense. Spoiler for Deadfall, uh, for those of yes. you who haven't seen it, but he died. He categorically right. dies in that film. <laughs> and yeah. But is it like a meta thing? Is it set in the same world? Is it like meant to be a sequel? It's... It's not meant to be a sequel because there's no <laughs> to that film. He's just playing Eddie King. He's playing the exact same character in it. And then right. the director of Deadfall is his own brother. Who, right. Who who um, has a cameo in Southern Fury as his brother. Like, as the okay. character's brother. And it's as just the character's brother. Yeah, and it just all feels a bit like well, yeah, and and that is a film that has got John Cusack in it as well. <laughs> oh my god! So it, yeah, no, I don't think I, I don't think I understand what's going on. Is it? It's like um, like going by the Gremlins two logic of movie making. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it, it's, it's, a Hulkster can just kind of show up in the middle and yell at the audience. Well, it is. It, make... It's very bizarre, and like, I think the best way to describe it to you is like. Cage looked quite bizarre with that prosthetic nose in Deadfall. In this, mm. he looks like Tony Clifton. The, uh... <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing, Tony Clifton. He would look like Tony Clifton. <laughs> oh, my God. He looked like a fucking elephant seal. That's amazing. So, yeah. I love that. So tune in. i got to check it out. Tune in in a few weeks, guys, to hear my conversation about okay. Southern Fury as well. Um Bizzle. So, would you recommend people watch Snowden? I would say yes. I would recommend you watch Snowden, immediately Wikipedia the facts, and then watch Citizen Four. Um, Or 
alternatively, watch Citizen Four and then know if you feel like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like from from watching Snowden, I I, I feel like I immediately want to watch Citizen Four, and I've already um, started like doing some kind of like digging. Whether it's like I just put in Edward Snowden's name into like a podcast app to see what interviews has he done, and like for people yeah. out there who want to like just do that, like he's done. Mm. Uh, a ridiculously long Joe Rogan, as as every Joe Rogan is. Do you know what I mean, if you want to, if you want to listen to Edward Snowden mm. talk some talk yeah. some facts, and then yeah. Joe Rogan present some things that possibly aren't facts as facts. Yeah, listen to that, and then ask him if he lifts and uh, <laughs> does tries to sell some tries to sell Snowden some kettlebells and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some some kind of like uh, nootropics to be like, oh, when you're hacking, like. Do you want to, <laughs> you're currently using ten percent of your brain. Do you want to be using a hundred percent of your brain? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Before I let I think, you go, I think, oh. yeah, you know, sorry, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, go on. I was just going to say before I let you go, I'd be remiss to not ask you like about uh, your your podcast, Fifty Uses for the Word Love. Uh, yes. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's my podcast. It's it's um, basically based on the idea that there's so many different words in the English language that uh, could be summed up uh, either correctly or incorrectly uh, by the word love because we overuse the word. We say, "Oh, I love skiing," and I and but it's the same way you you could say, "I love Nicolas Cage" in the same breath as uh, the same type of way you say, "I love like my." girlfriend you know what I mean like like it's like there's so many different uses for the word love um and so I thought there's so many negative uh podcasts about, about things that we hate and ranting and stuff so I thought let's just make like a nice podcast and uh I, we've had 17 episodes so far so um and that was we've had like about a year off even before the pandemic hit uh I was having a bit of a break uh but we're definitely going to get back on it um uh, Liam Dempsey, who's been on this podcast, was actually the the last episode, um, and uh, my brother has also been on it as well, and quite a few uh, other kind of people from our kind of podcast sphere, well, but also comedians, things like that. And yeah. it's basically just me. We pick a different word every episode, and um, uh, one day we will get to fifty, and uh, uh, I think it will be very exciting. Um, I really love doing it. It's actually been ages since I've done it. It's so nice for you to get me back on here because. You know what with uh, like work and comedy and the podcast. Uh, what work with work and comedy and um, the uh, fucking COVID nineteen. It's been it's been ages since I've done this, and it's just it's wonderful to get back onto it. So it's been nice just to get at the old mic out again. Well, I, I would say Thank to any, yeah, I would say to anyone who like uh, apart from the ones that uh, Stevens mentioned of his podcast. Uh, one of the ones that I found like amazing, and uh, mm. I got a weird drought now by looking you dead in the eye and telling you this. Please, is the please, uh, please, please. Pope Lonigan episode. Like, is oh, somebody I find like immensely interesting and like he's a wonderful man. Yeah, I, 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 he's I, a very lovely person. And his, yeah, his, his episode is absolutely like fantastic. And like, yeah. uh, I don't know. For people you don't don't yeah don't know he mm. he very much plays uh, in something that I like is that <laughs> he sounds like somebody who like and I'm sure he would probably find this a compliment doesn't sound like he is as well read and as like smart as yeah. as he is and like I love that juxtaposition because like mm. I, I I feel like somebody who's like 
uh, grown up in uh, an area like Crawley, which like you, mm. you tell mm. people anywhere outside of Crawley that that's where you're from, they kind of like recall. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, exactly. like, London sees it as like the boil on its ass, and then like Brighton like <laughs> see it as like. They're, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. Brian say it is a boil on a boil. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a boil on an abscess. Yeah, exactly. But no, I think yeah, I, I completely agree. Pope's got that, and he and you can tell he loves it as well. Like he loves to lean into that, and he loves to to be provocative, and he loves to kind of to make you think that he's this kind of reprobate. And really, he's so smart and so uh, kind of interesting. And he had some real good. He picked such a good topic as well. He picked his own one. He picked uh, white knight syndrome as his use for the word love, which is like when you, when you try and, where you, you only love someone because you want to kind of, you want to narcissistically be celebrated for saving them. Do you know what I mean? It's such an interesting, yeah. interesting way of looking at the world. Yeah, no, it was a great episode. Well, yeah, highly recommended, highly recommended. Uh, check that out guys. Steve, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thanks, man. It's been nice chatting about movies, man. Yeah, we should do it again sometime. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that um, uh, that you, you got in touch, man. Yeah. And that is your lot for Snowden. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation that I had with Stephen Trumbull. And as we mentioned in the podcast, make sure that you listen to his podcast and uh, you can find out where that's all found, whether it's uh, on social media or other podcast platforms. That will be in the show notes. So you don't even have to leave this app. You can literally just click the information on this episode and you can find everywhere where Stephen is. Uh, you can see some of his uh, comedy clips as well. I'll put, I'll put in a choice one of, uh, yeah, one, one that I like. So you guys can check him out there as well. And always, if you have a differing opinion, to me or steve uh let me know and you can do that easily and readily at your fingertips again there's probably links in the show notes to all of these but you can get me on facebook twitter and or instagram at caged in pod so that's caged in pod real simple uh or uh, so yeah, I always say this, but if you really, really, really something, something needs more than 280 characters, is it now? Or you just feel like DM on any of those other ones won't suffice and you really, really want to tear me a new one, head on over to the emails, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. Uh, and I'm always up for just a chat on any of those social media as well. It doesn't have to be about this film specifically. Um, yeah, just if, if if you miraculously found this podcast through not through not yeah not on social media and you, and you're listening, please do come join us over on the social media. I say us because like there's this kind of like I don't know we're developing this like small community and we'll just have chats. There's always there's always like uh 
contributors like the same people and like it's really nice that we just kind of we post stuff whether it's just opinions on different cage films whether it's what is the best out of the rock con air and face off or 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 just highlighting some of the some of the underrated cage gems and just when news is shared we all kind of chip in with our opinions and stuff like that and it's really fun so yeah please do join us uh all on the social media to kind of let's let's move the chat forward past the podcast itself and uh, i'd love it for you guys to be involved as much as you can as well and uh if you feel like there's anything that you'd want to hear on the podcast if, if you happen to have a connection to somebody who you think I should speak to or or you want me to speak to somebody I've got a list of people but I'm definitely fallible and I definitely would have missed somebody so just hit me up and I'll, I'll I'll do my best to try and get them on the podcast and have that conversation whether it's uh somebody who's worked with cage an actor a director a producer a writer whoever if you want to hear from them and yeah let me know and I will do whatever I can within my power, little to no power that I have, to try and uh, persuade them to come chat to me about stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it will all be fun and great. Uh, if you want to support this podcast, well, two simple ways you can do that. You can head over to Patreon, which is Patreon dot com forward slash caged in pod and yeah you can um you can get some fun free you can get some fun stuff on there and it starts as little as like one dollar i think it is maybe i need to change it to pounds but like i think a dollar works out about the same anyway so yeah you can you can get you can get some fun stuff on there and i don't know i i I haven't i haven't released any specific patreon episodes because i've got no patrons uh i know i probably should what is it like build it and they shall come uh but part of me is worried like i'm just going to be recording these fortnightly monthly patreon episodes and just never get any patrons and it's nothing more sad and depressing that i've put in all this time and effort and just know to know that like i physically know that nobody's listening i don't think that my mental health or my ego could take that so i'm not gonna do that uh i don't know if you feel differently again let me know and um another way that you can support the podcast is to buy one of the uh caged in tim hornsby prints a fantastic comic book artist and friend of mine made these amazing amazing uh yeah illustration that is uh nick cage as superman i know that we've uh had him as superman somewhat in teen titans go to the movie but we never got that tim burton uh death of superman or superman lives as it was as it was going to be titled and yeah this is a print to commemorate what could have been and um they look great it looks like a comic book cover and uh each one of them is hand numbered 
and has a unique Nicolas Cage quote on the back. So, yeah, you can find those over at cagedinpodcast.limitedrun.com. And uh, any money that I raise from doing all of this will be going straight back into the podcast, whether that's new equipment, uh, new merchandise, or just the general upkeep of things. So, yeah, uh, all just loads of loads and loads of boring stuff uh, so as for next week i will be rejoined by a previous guest uh, jamie murphy of sorta ghostly podcast but this time he will be on his own so i've had james on the podcast before i've had them on as a duo but this time it's time for jamie to ride the caged in train solo and we will be talking about uss indianapolis men of courage if you haven't seen it you got a week to see it if you live in the uk unfortunately for you this one is not on any streaming services whereas if you are in the us you're in luck because this one is on netflix and i'm pretty sure most people in the world got netflix so you can watch this movie you got no excuse not to watch this movie if you live in the u.s in the uk i understand if you don't watch it but i always say you don't have to watch these films to enjoy these podcasts i think we do a good enough job of kind of maybe filling you in and the conversation's not always fully about the films anyway but if you're listening to this bit you probably know that anyway um gonna reiterate what i said at the start of the podcast as well rate review itunes whatever podcast app you're on but itunes yeah it'd be great apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days five star rate and review more people listening to it great maybe 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 it will just uh, more than anything it's not about me being like i want more people to listen to it i'm just thinking like if this can build up enough traction we can kind of like rustle the feathers of the cage camp that they will hear about this and it will make it inevitable that nick cage will have to come on the podcast but that is enough wiffle waffle rambling from me for one episode i feel like this outro is way too long but it's gonna go out anyway so as always i have been petros patsilvus i have been caged in you have been amazing thank you for listening catch you next week bye up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.